Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt, and I'm a board-certified integrative and functional nutritionist. I live on the seacoast of New Hampshire and work with clients in my virtual practice all over the world through private consultations and online nutrition and functional medicine programs. Functional medicine nutrition is all about diving deep with people to get to the root cause of their health issues. And that's exactly what I tackle in this podcast. All things health, food, and nutrition. Unpacking current research and almost a decade of clinical experience. I love to bring experts and thought leaders to the table so we can all learn together. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive in. Okay, guys, welcome back to the show. I have um, a special guest because she's a friend of mine, which is why it's special. And I haven't had a guest on the show in a while, so I'm really excited to reintroduce you to Meg Dahl. She's been on the show before. Um, episode 50, we talked about her challenges with eating disorders and how we both experienced eating disorders starting starting at a really young age and kind of how we worked ourselves through that and talked about the power of sharing your story. So we won't dive into Meg's background a ton today because we already did it on that show. So be sure to go back and listen if you want to hear more about Meg and her story and um, her experience with eating disorders. Meg is a, a registered holistic nutritionist through the Canadian School of Holistic Nutrition. And that's such an important thing to me when I bring people on the show. I always want to make sure that they've got good education, they've got good credentials. I know you guys really, really trust me. Um, and so I want to be sure to hold my standards to the highest so I earn that trust from you guys, my listeners. Um, and Meg is awesome. She's worked with clients, so she's a practitioner in her own right. Um, and so we're going to talk really about her latest experience um, with hypothalamic amenorrhea. And I'm never going to say those two words together ever again on the rest of the show. I'm going to refer to it as HA. I can say hypothalamus and I can say amenorrhea, but when I smash those two words together, I like lose my mind. Um, but I'm going to let Meg tell you all about what that is. Um, she'll define it and explain it for you guys. So Meg, welcome to the show again. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, well, Erin, thank you so much for having me on again. And I am so grateful we can refer to it as HA throughout Please this don't. whole show. Don't make me say those big, scary words. <laughs> um, before, before I turn the mic over to you, Meg, I do want to... Um, dive into the hypothalamus because we've been talking a lot about the whole HPA axis on the show the past couple of weeks, like a real deep dive into the whole stress response. And remember that the H in HPA stands for hypothalamus. So it's hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. We're going to build on that today to talk about a very specific problem. Um, and of course, HA hypothalamic amenorrhea has to do with the hypothalamus, which is part of the HPA axis. So it, it certainly plays into the past two episodes. If you haven't listened to those, you might want to go back and do so after, after this show. Um, so let's do a basic overview just to provide some context for what Meg will be talking about today. The hypothalamus is a region of the brain and it responds to signals from the environment. So that's both internal environment, what's happening inside your body, and external environment, what's happening outside of your body. And I always say that the hypothalamus is very keyed into stressors or threats or lack of safety in your environment. Um, and we'll probably talk about what some of those stressors might be today. Now, internally, it responds to body temperature, hunger, feelings of being full, blood pressure, and any hormones that you have going on in circulation. It's kind of like command control for our hormones, including those sex horm uh, stress hormones like, like cortisol that we talk so much about, uh, melatonin, which is responsible for our sleep-wake cycle, 
thyroid hormones, uh, gonadal or sex hormones, growth hormones, prolactin. So it really does have a lot to do with our hormonal health. Um, so this, this region of the brain basically collects information in order to correct any imbalances in the body. That's one of its jobs. We talked so much last week about why balance is so important in the body when it comes to hormones. Um, so that's kind of a primer uh, about what a little bit of what we'll be talking about today. Um, so let me turn the mic over to you, Meg, and I would love for you to define what HA is um, for folks listening who might not know. Yeah, for sure. So HA is when a woman loses her menstrual cycle for three months or longer. And for me, that happened way back when I was in high school and I actually just got my period back in August of 2019. So, which obviously... is such a major, major, major thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> congratulations. We'll we'll get into all that later. But like, congratulations because that's so huge. It's a huge thing in like so many different ways, right? Um, <laughs> like a big deal in all these different ways. But thank you. It was every single time I have my period now which by the way when we're recording this I have my period so what perfect timing right um but honestly every single time I have my period now I'm like so grateful and feel like throwing a party every single time oh my gosh that is what a nice thing to hear because we look at um I mean periods are like called the curse you know we look at it as it's such a bad negative thing um, so what a way to like flip that script and a way to appreciate what your body's doing every single month. I love that. For sure. And I'm sure we'll be able to talk even more about that throughout the episode. But yeah, when you go even like for a short period of time, but for me, I went 12 years without my cycle and it just started feeling extremely like normal for me not to have a period. And that was really my big red flag for me that I was like, okay, I as a practitioner know that it's not normal to not be getting your period, yet it feels like such a normal part of me because I haven't had my period for 12 years. So that was really eye-opening and pretty scary for me actually and was like what really threw me into this journey of getting my period back all in so that's kind of how it started but yeah if you go anytime like I talk to girls all the time about overcoming HA getting their periods back and even if you've missed your period for like a year or six months it's still a really really big deal when you get it back and it reminds you of how absolutely incredible our bodies are and just to not take your health for granted really yeah that's a big big um, theme of my life right now is this not taking your health for granted so um, I won't get into detail (laughs) details quite yet it's still too much of like a hot button to like talk about publicly but I'm right there with you and I kind of look back on my life I'll be 36 in two months so I like look back on other moments of my life where I just was it just truly took my body for granted and all of the wonderful things that I could I it could do and I wish I could go back in time and like undo some of that you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like I wish I could go back in time and tell my younger self like just be so happy with what your body can do right now Mm -hmm. because it's not a given it's a privilege yeah um and as far as the cycle goes, it's, it's interesting that you you weren't menstruating for 12 years, which holy smokes, um, and you kind of normalized it. You didn't, it was normal for you. It was your normal. So you didn't think anything was wrong with it. Um, I know you're a big fan of Dr. Stacy Sims, and I just saw her post recently. Something about uh, you're not a healthy fem- female athlete if you're not menstruating. I'm paraphrasing, but it was something mm-hmm. along those lines. And I feel like it is so normalized in female athletics to not menstruate or to like stop menstruating during training or something like that. And it's so 
not okay um, mm-hmm. to continue to normalize that. At what point did you realize, oh shoot, this is actually a problem? Honestly, I always knew like deep down it wasn't normal, right? Like, I mean, I'm a practitioner. I was even helping girls get their periods back for like through my private practice and whatnot. But while I was doing that, I was also like dealing with my own health issues. So for a few years, I was dealing with parasites and eradicating those. And I feel like during that time of my life, I was kind of making it okay. Well, the reason why I don't have my period right now is because I'm so sick from this parasite. And I always kind of had these reasons as to why I wasn't getting my cycle. And then in the summer of 2018, I just... I remember I was on a walk outside in the summertime. It was super nice and hot. And I remember this day so vividly. And I really did have that thought of, okay, I know that not having my period is not normal, yet it feels like, you know, when you go to the doctor for like your yearly checkup and they ask you, when was your last cycle? It was just so normal for me just to say like, oh, I don't get my period. And that was terrifying to me. And I knew that was like my wake up call to actually take it like super seriously and do all the things that I know I needed to do in order to get my cycle back. Okay. And I can't wait to go into all of those things because I think it's so important for listeners to hear how you did it and it makes me so excited because I kind of followed your journey for a while you know Mm -hmm. and it just makes me so excited to be able to share that with people but before we do so how would if if listeners if it is like um do I have AJ how do we know is there diagnostic criteria or is it simply the the loss of menses for three months or longer well there are blood tests that you can take and nothing is really like a hundred percent certain right so um when it comes to ha diagnosis it is that loss of the menstrual cycle for three months and then typically you will have low levels of fsh and lh as well Typically, a lot of women will have extremely low LH levels, and that's a really, really great indicator. And that was also my case as well. However, I have worked with women, and I know a lot of other women who have ran their blood panels, and their blood work totally looks fine and I see that in quotes right like because we just run and run our blood work and we see that everything like looks within normal range and mine looked honestly pretty great except for that low LH but um, there are also things that you can ask yourself as well if someone listening to this episode right now is like okay I haven't been getting my period for X amount of time, but I'm not really sure if it is HA. Similar to kind of like what I was going through too, right? I had those thoughts in the past. Do I actually have HA or is my body just kind of like under so much stress from dealing with this parasite and all of these other health issues? So a few other questions that you can ask yourself is do I have a history of eating disorders disordered eating or dieting do I have a history or am I currently overtraining, exercising really intensely and that applies also to the eating stuff are you currently experiencing like dieting tendencies or disordered eating behaviors that sort of thing and just looking at those two areas of your life can really be um, eye-opening and give you a lot of answers because if you are 
really obsessed or even training very intensely and you are currently dieting or watching what you eat and it can even be like eating really healthy because we know that can lead to disordered eating behaviors and even eating disorders but to look at those two areas of your life and get really really honest with yourself and for me I was able to answer yes to do I have a history of eating disorders which I've talked about on this podcast before so that was something for me and then another factor to consider is have I lost weight in the past so even women with a like normal BMI and I don't refer to BMI a lot however it does um have its place with HA recovery just because a lot of women there is kind of a range where you'll see women get to with the BMI and once they get within this range it seems like they get their cycles back so it's pretty cool to see that but um, you can be at a normal or healthy body weight for your body type and size however if you have a history of losing weight even if you lost like 10 pounds or whatever it might be too low for your set point and that can actually cause a woman to lose her cycle as well so that's um I don't want to use like the word excuse but that's kind of a reason why a lot of women will say well maybe I don't have HA because I'm of a normal healthy body weight but we can't really choose the body weight that our bodies feel most healthy at right so for me personally I recovered from eating disorders in the past and I was like the healthiest weight I had ever been at in that period of time in my life and because I was more weight restored than I had ever been everyone just considered me to look really healthy however I'm in a larger body than I was before and now I have my period and now I know that I'm actually really healthy okay that is what a, like that's just such an incredible story and turnaround. Um, a lot of follow-up questions there. So would, the, would you say that the causes of HA are those, those things that you mentioned, like questions to ask yourself, that checklist to run through, or are there other causes? What would you say, like bullet point, the, the, the most common causes of HA would be? Oh, well, we know that it all really relates to the hypothalamus, right? So it is, it can honestly be due to any type of stress in your life. So we need to see stress as this bigger picture, but the two main defining pieces of stress are over-exercising and under-fueling. However, you cannot write off the fact that like, psychological and mental and emotional stress don't play a role in this because I myself have even experienced that just um, in December actually Um, but I also work with a lot of women that maybe they'll lose their job or they experience a death in the family and just that mental stress from dealing with that life event causes them to skip a period that month or have a longer cycle for an example and when you say under fueling what specifically are you talking about are you talking about calories or certain macronutrient or all of it that is such a good question and i would love to talk about that i think this is such a big topic to get into so when i say under fueling um i was actually under unintentionally under fueling for many years of my life I had recovered from an eating disorder or multiple eating disorders I guess but I didn't actually um I and I feel like you'll 
resonate with this, Erin, and I would love to hear your opinion on this, actually. But after I recovered from an eating disorder, I kind of was holding on to this story that since I had dealt with food and thoughts about food for so many years of my life, I just didn't want to think about food anymore. And so that was kind of the story that I was telling myself for so many years. And because that was my story and what I was clinging on to so tightly is that I deserve to not think about food anymore. It kind of led me to unintentionally under eating. So when I got really serious about getting my period back in the summer of 2018, I was like, okay, maybe this is a time in my life where I do have to place a little bit more focus on food and make sure that I am eating enough because I am trying to address this specific health goal in my life. And I know you know this and you will also do this with your clients, but if you have a specific health goal, you have to focus on all the things that are really going to help you address that goal. And for me, it was not being so like blind as to what I was eating and how much I was eating. It was really bringing that into focus for myself and being honest with myself like okay no I don't really want to think about food all that much but I do have to bring it to my attention and get an idea of how much I'm actually eating because I got to a point from when I was dealing with eating disorders I was thinking about food all the time and I could tell you exactly how many calories were in every single meal that I was eating and If I picked up an apple, I could tell you how many calories that was. And then I got to this point in 2018 where I had spent so many years not thinking about food and kind of like unlearning all of those disordered behaviors that I didn't know whether my breakfast was like 250 calories or 800 calories. Like I had no idea. So... One thing that I did was open a calorie counting tracker app type thing and I just put in a few days, a few typical days that um, I was eating and I learned that I was eating 1800 calories, which isn't super low, but it was nowhere near what I had to be eating in order to restore my cycle. So calories are important. You need to be eating enough calories in order to get your cycle back. But my carb intake was also super low. I really, really love um, eating a whole foods diet just as you do. Erin, I eat everything. I can't tolerate gluten and I'm really healthy and varied and free with my diet. But my preference. Let me interrupt. When she's, when Meg's talking about like eating whole foods, she eats like, like the craziest stuff. I can't, I wish I could think of something off the top of my head. Like Like camel? Like camel. Yeah. Like camel. What other things that I'm like, you're eating this? Like, you do a lot of oysters. I love oysters. You were cooking oysters the other night. I've never cooked oysters before. I always do yeah. them wrong. But you're, oh, you're doing, like, organ meats and, like, oh, you were really getting into, like, squid, right? Or was oh, it Oh, I love octopus? squid and octopus. Yeah. I love all the things. Honestly, I don't think you could really name a food that I don't really like. I feel like one of the foods that I don't, like, probably – the food I like the least, which is so random, you're going to be like, what on earth? It's those Asian pears. I just don't oh, really like I them. Love those. Yeah, maybe I've had like just only not really good ones. I don't know, but I'm not into them. And that's like the only food that I don't really like. But you give me like frog legs, oysters, liver, gizzards I eat. They're so good. <laughs> anyway. She's like the real deal, real food eater. (laughs) Thank you for that shout out. (laughs) 
So, yes. Um, when I clocked in my intake, like I said, I was at about 1,800 calories. My carbs were maybe around 100 at the most, 100 grams. And I was eating pretty, like, good amount of protein and quite high fat. So what I've learned for myself, and it would really be individual for everyone depending on their starting point, but for me, I had to really increase my overall calorie intake and not so much stress about macronutrients or that ratio, but I did really significantly up my carb intake. And basically by the end of it, when I was getting like when I got my period back everything was fairly normal like if you were to look at a macro ratio I guess everything was pretty balanced um and my calories were like much higher than when they were when I started can I ask you so you were doing a really high fat maybe even ketogenic diet for a while is that true I was doing I couldn't tolerate carbohydrates when I had my parasite so that was why I was eating so low carb I remember I had a chunk of a sweet potato one day and I was like on the floor in pain so it was a really interesting time in my life and I didn't like um how I had to eat if that makes sense because I didn't like limiting my food choices and eating so low carb but yeah I had to and I was eating very low carb for a period of time in my life but that didn't obviously didn't bring back your cycle no it did not Um, despite eating low carb and high fat my cycle did not come back it's interesting because so many people um I shouldn't say so many people. There's a lot of people out there who swear by the ketogenic diet. Um, mm-hmm. I, on a, on a practitioner level, think it's wonderful for neuroinflammation. I think mm-hmm. that it, it's a really potent therapeutic tool. Um, a lot of people are talking about healing hormones through keto, and I just haven't seen it clinically. I haven't seen it do that, um, so I'd be, I was curious to see it to hear your thoughts around that yeah honestly my thoughts are I feel like we need carbohydrates as women I really really do and we also need fat we can't be scared of anything and for me a huge mindset shift was just thinking about eating everything in abundance like lots of protein lots of carbs and lots of fat and when I got to that point like I said if I was to clock in a day of what I ate everything was really balanced and that I know is one of the factors that brought my period back for sure the balance and the abundance not Mm -hmm. yeah I like what you said because we need carbohydrates and we also need fat it's not an either or situation you know yeah and like the we're constantly being told that you know it's kind of like an either or thing at least that's what the diets are kind of illustrating to us oh for sure absolutely you're either high fat low carb or low carb high fat wait that's the same thing (laughs) (laughs) I know what you're saying yeah (laughs) Um, so, and I also want to circle back what you were talking about, your lack of awareness around food. That's such a victory for somebody who has struggled so long with eating disorders that this, like, I just am going to eat and I'm not going to really think about it, which can be awesome. But if you're unintentionally under eating, obviously that that creates a whole host of, of problems on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I never experienced that. I am a foodie and so I love food as you, as do you, but like, I, I, I feel like I could never unintentionally under eat. I just want to eat all the food all the time. Yeah. The yeah. thing for me that, um, that I was like, you know, you were saying you just don't want to think about food anymore. You don't want to talk about food anymore. For me, I'm like, I don't want to think about weight anymore. I don't want to talk about weight anymore. Like that's where I sort of netted out. I'm like, it's such an... It's, I'm just so over it, you know? I'm just tired. 
can't we talk about something else? We have so much more to offer this world than the size of our pants or the number on the scale. Like that's kind of where I am. I'm just like, ah. So I, I don't have, I, I've just shifted beyond. Like if somebody comes to me and they're like, I have 10 pounds to lose. I'm like, I am not your person. <laughs> like, For I, sure. I can sympathize. Like I can absolutely sympathize because I've been there and I know that and I know what it feels like to be stuck in that weight cycle, but just feels like so long ago, which is a victory in and of itself, I think. Mm-hmm. I totally get that too, for sure. Um, okay, so let's talk more about your recovery and other tactics for people listening that they can employ if they are struggling with HA. So obviously the food taking a look at your food. And I think that's what you said is so important about how you tracked your and logged your calories for a little bit, because we, that's something that I sometimes have people do that I'm working with. And I just had a question come up in my, uh, my carb compatibility project. Um, the first week they're like, how does tracking calories align with intuitive eating? And I'm like, it doesn't, first of all, it doesn't (laughs) don't get it twisted. If anyone's telling you that they're, they're lying to you or they're not actually practicing intuitive eating, but sometimes what we can do, because we've been fed this lie that we can exist on 1200 calories, which is less than my five-year-old eats. We've been fed this lie. So we're kind of programmed and conditioned to constantly under eat. And even when, this is another question that, that came up, so I want to address it here. Um, Cause I'm sure you use a specific calculator to look for maintenance needs, Meg. But I think a lot of people are punching in their weight loss goals when they're, when they're calculating calories. Do you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? When they're trying to enter something into an online count. Let's say you weigh 150 pounds and you're like, I want to weigh 140 pounds. That's the, that's the weight you'll set. So you're not actually getting a maintenance need you're getting you're you're putting yourself in a deficit so so those calculators can oftentimes spit out numbers that are way lower than what you actually need so be sure that you're putting in maintenance needs first of all and um i totally just lost my train of thought Oh, but i do think it can be really helpful to do that in the beginning just to make sure you're not unintentionally under eating because that is such a stressor to the body. Um, Mm -hmm. So thank you for bringing that up. All right, so you you definitely had to eat in abundance. You had to increase your overall calories. You had to increase your carbohydrates. What other things did you do to regain your cycle? Mm -hmm. And I hope you don't mind, but I'm just going to add to the increasing calories thing just because I do think it's important and I hope your audience doesn't mind that I'm kind of throwing out numbers but I do think they're important just because we hear like you said that 1200 calories is you know deemed to be normal or whatever but then when I input my intake I was at 1800 calories and I was still not getting my period back and I came across the book um, No Period, Now What? by Dr. Nicola Rinaldi. And she has done so much work in the HA community and so much research that I love helping women overcome HA and regain their cycles and do all of the mental work also that comes along with it. But definitely check out Dr. Nicola Rinaldi's work because she is amazing in this area and one thing that she has found is that women who are working to get their cycles back must be eating a minimum of 2,500 calories so that was obviously significantly higher than the 1,800 that I was at so I did have to track my intake for a while just to get a feel of what 2,500 calories at minimum felt and looked like. And then um, when I started eating higher calorie like t- and hitting that 2,500 calorie mark, my appetite actually came back. And that's how I was um, unintentionally under eating for such a long time just because my appetite had downregulated and I wasn't even hungry, you know, and it wasn't 
that I was restricting food. I just wasn't hungry for the food type thing. So I taught myself what 2,500 calories looked like and felt like, and I was making sure that I was hitting that at minimum. But when I got my period back in the summertime, just in August, I was actually more so around about 3,000 calories in order to get my period back. And I still eat very high calorie and my period's been hanging around, so yay. Um, But in addition to tackling the food aspect of things, you also have to make sure you're reducing the stress in other areas of your life. So like we said, under fueling your body, even if it's unintentionally, not the diet mentality, even if it's unintentionally, you have to adjust that just like I did. Then let's take a look at the other areas of stress in your life. So this one is exercise or movement, training, that sort of thing. So are you running every day or what does your training look like? And you really have to get honest with yourself as well. So I wasn't a, personally, I wasn't an over-exerciser. I would lift weights. I have a gym in my basement downstairs and I lift weights about three to four or three times a week I was doing and um, I took a step back from that. I continued to do light resistance training but was really aware of like my heart rate and the weight that I was lifting and also the length but a lot of women need to take a complete step back from doing exercise and just kind of stick to walking and more restorative yoga to get their cycle back. So that's one aspect of stress that you really need to look at. And then also your mental stress as well. So if your mind is stressing about whether that be family stuff work things or whatever that can also be majorly contributing to your cycle and then also your health stuff too so if you are dealing with significant infections or anything like that that may also be playing a role in your imbalanced hormones as you teach your audience all the time and your gut health and things like that but like for me I was using that actually kind of like almost as an excuse for a lot of years like oh I have a parasite maybe that's why I'm not getting my period back but most often it's going to be the food and the exercise that you need to take a really honest look at for yourself. Okay, that's so helpful. And um, so you basically had to eat above your maintenance needs, right? Is that what you were mm-hmm. saying? Oh, wow. definitely. Okay. okay. Yeah, it's kind of like if you do, the way that I thought about it in my mind was, okay, I need to eat a lot of food so my body knows that it has enough to function, but also get my cycle back right? So one of the reasons why we lose our cycle by not eating enough is, like I said, not only is it a stressor, but when we don't have enough food coming in, your reproduction and your period, like that's not, your body doesn't need that essentially. So that's was, will be one of kind of like the first things to go for you, right? Because the body's just like, okay, I'm not getting enough food. So we're just gonna not have a period anymore so I knew that okay what I'm eating right now I'm like maintaining my weight or whatever but I need to eat more than what I need or what even what I think I need because my body needs to know there's like a surplus here and that it actually can put that towards getting my period back that is an important um a really important note um, it's like you're asking your body to regaining your period. You're, you're asking your body to do a really big job. And anytime we ask our body to do a really big job, we have to fuel that big job. Um, and I think that's a piece that's often overlooked or misunderstood. Um, 
so that that really makes sense and also on the heels of so much restriction food restriction throughout the course of your life you kind of have to like retrain your body to convince it to trust that there's a food source coming in and that's something that i try to get across to people and i think i think people are you know listeners of the show like kind of buy into that and they're like okay that makes sense but then once i'm eating like enough food when can I go go back to my weight loss, you know, my weight loss mm-hmm. journey? And I'm like, well, you know, that takes a significant amount of time for some people. Oh, I'm so happy you brought that up because I think that's another huge factor in why it actually took me so long to get my period back, like, and why it was gone for 12 years, just because I hadn't been super consistent with eating like upwards to 3000 calories, some days even more than that every single day for an entire year until my period came back you know what I'm saying like I was never so consistent and making sure that 2500 calories was my daily minimum every single day for an entire year wow I'm so glad you said that because that's huge that it's the consistency piece and I think people are like I've been doing it for two weeks and nothing's happening (laughs) trust me I've had those conversations too it's like Meg I've been doing this for a month and my period's not back I'm like yo I did it for 12 months until and then my period came back but there was no way that I was giving myself a year and then I would have just stopped but that was kind of the timeline that my body had was I started like this journey of mine to get my period back in August of 2018 and it came back in August of 2019 almost to the day. Wow that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Crazy in a really good way and also Mm -hmm. to tie it back to the hypothalamus piece like I said at the beginning of the show your hypothalamus is so keyed in to any stressors any anything outside or inside your body that might be a threat to survival or that might trigger any feelings of unsafety or lack of safety and under eating food is one of those massive massive things for women and so we need to retrain our hypothalamus in to 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 feel that it's safe and to Mm -hmm. send all of those chemical messengers throughout the body saying it's okay we're safe we're safe we're safe you will not menstruate if you if your body doesn't feel it's safe right you won't ovulate if you if your body doesn't feel that it's safe and so remember that the hypothalamus is command control for your hormones all of them so under eating triggers lack of safety especially if it's long-term chronic under eating which can then have a really profound effect on your hormones in a not so great way Mm -hmm. um and then one more thing i want to i do have another question but you had said something about your appetite coming back which i feel like lack of appetite is the holy grail it's like what we're all like we're all doing diets in order to like the ketogenic diet you lose your appetite amazing like like, yeah oh it's glorified Erin for sure so then when I have people coming to me that are talking about well I don't have any appetite in the morning or I don't have any appetite like that's actually a problem that that Mm -hmm. needs to be addressed It's a huge problem and that's something that actually like I'm getting all fiery now because it is a huge problem. People are constantly like touting the amazing things that happen or that it's so great that they've forgotten to eat breakfast and then forgot to eat lunch or they can go five, ten hours throughout the day without eating and it's like, okay, I mean having balanced blood sugar levels is one thing but when you wake up and you have zero appetite that is a problem like you said and that's something that I was experiencing for sure I would wake up in the morning I wouldn't be hungry at all and because I wasn't being intentional about my eating I was being intuitive quote-unquote intuitive about my eating I feel like there's major confusion about like what actually intuitive eating actually is but I felt like oh I'm just going to be intuitive okay I wake up in the morning and I'm not hungry so I'm just not going to eat until I feel hungry which was maybe 11 o'clock in the morning or whatever but that was sending even more stress to my hypothalamus telling it that again we don't have enough food 
things aren't safe and it's not safe enough to have a period. So having low appetite is actually one of the main symptoms for you to look at when you are like for to determine if you're under eating or not or have low hormones. And I think it's important because we hear a lot about metabolic syndrome, especially in the U.S. here, right? And insulin resistance and leptin resistance. And all of this can jack up your the neuroregulation of your appetite. All of the, the processed foods can also do that. I've talked about that enough on the show that I don't have to belabor the point. But we tend to hear about that more. Um, and so we think that if we don't have an appetite, it's actually uh, a really, really good thing. But to your point, it's like, and I would say this, if, if you feel like really great and you know, you're, you, you don't have this crazy appetite or you wake up without an appetite and you're, and you're feeling great and all of your biomarkers are wonderful Mm -hmm. and your health is phenomenal and you're get you're menstruating if that's appropriate for you. And you know, you have vigor and verve and you don't have any issues, then that's one thing. But if you're struggling to regain your period or you have hormonal imbalance or irregular periods, that you know that's a something that needs to be addressed um okay so we're right around 45 minutes but i do have one more question for you are you cool for a couple more minutes yeah hit me up <laughs> okay this is the big one <laughs> I was like, so it might be not be a short answer you said okay so you're eating 2500 to 3000 calories a day and you said that in order to get your period back, you did have to regain weight. And let me back up one second because we don't have the time to get into like why cycling is really important for overall health, but I have a ton of other episodes that that cover that. So episode 61 with Lisa Lisa Hendrickson-Jack, episode 58, we talked about women's hormones with Kaylee McDevitt. And then episode 48, I had Jolene Brighton on the show. So go back and refer to those if you're like, what's the big deal about losing a period? It's a huge, huge effing deal. Um, But so in order to regain your period, because it was so important for you, for your overall health, um, you had to gain weight. How Mm -hmm. did you deal with that on a mental, emotional level? Like you had talked about doing some mental work, right? Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that. Oh man, we could do an entire podcast episode about this. But yeah, I did a lot of work. I unlearned a lot of beliefs that I had that I didn't even know that I was holding on to. But honestly, it was really not a big deal for me and I'm gonna say why is because I did not make this entire journey about my weight because it wasn't it was about me getting my period back feeling like a woman being super healthy and like normal and just feeling awesome it wasn't about my weight at all so When my weight was going up, I didn't fixate on it. And I believe that when we fixate on something, it just grows and amplifies and it is a big deal, right? But I didn't make it a big deal because it just wasn't a big deal. And I also did the mental work, like I said, and I learned that I, when I did get my period back, or when I did get my period when I was a teenager in high school, I was actually really uncomfortable with with my body. So I had to go back to those times in my life and understand why I was really uncomfortable with my body back then and kind of like make amends with that part of me and spend time with that version of myself and teach my body like literally do brain rewiring and teach my body that it was actually safe and okay and possible to love my body the way I am right now Uh, amazing um yeah so much of it is and you had mentioned at the start of the show just feeling really grateful for your body and I'm sure that gratitude piece played into all of the mindset work that you did too Mm -hmm. yeah Were, were you playing Shania Twain all the time no but I did dance a lot I love dancing and I feel like just that was a huge part of my journey for sure and 
the weeks leading up to me getting my period back, I was like blaring the new, the latest Ed Sheeran album. We do not <laughs> have would... similar taste in music. <laughs> no. <laughs> and we were, and I was just like dancing all the time. And I think that's another really important piece to getting your period back or even just if you're dealing with any type of health issue is just bringing a lot of joy in your life rather than focusing on your actual illness or whatever you're dealing with because I could have spent a lot of time throughout the journey focusing on all the weight that I had gained because I did gain a significant amount of weight in order to restore my period. I could have really focused on that. I could have really focused on how uncomfortable I was eating all the calories that I had to eat. I could have focused on how I wasn't hungry to eat all of those calories. I could have focused on am I doing it right? I could have focused on all the other women getting their periods back before me. But shift your focus and really like learn how to rewire your brain and focus on all the good things that are happening in your life. And that's really when my period came back. Awesome. And now is that something that you do with with um, other women trying to regain their cycle or do you dive into that 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 sort of work with them? Yeah, mainly for sure. Um, We really do the mental mindset work together because I do think that's something that I really understand and I'm super passionate about. And obviously I help them with the eating piece and the exercise piece and everything else that comes along with getting your cycle back. But one thing that is left out a lot of the times is what we have to do mentally and emotionally and things that we actually need to release energetically. So I love doing that and supporting my clients through that. Yeah. And that's, it's a really necessary component of the work. I've said that before on the show, like I might, you know, see somebody's hormones or see somebody's labs and be like, you might need to increase your calories, which might mean you gain weight. But, but that whole shit storm of, mental work that needs to happen you really want to I think it's so important to reach out for help with that I mean you could do it on your own but you know if there's help available get that help and Meg is such an awesome resource she did the same training um, with Jessica Flanagan that I did and um, in more and so I just I really trust you explicitly with this piece you're just phenomenal here so um, definitely reach out to Meg why don't you tell everybody where they can find more of you gosh thank you so much Erin so you can find me on my website MegTheRHN.com which is soon going to be updated and over on a new website so I'm excited for that but that won't be until February and then I'm active over on Instagram I am Meg Dahl over on Instagram and I also have a podcast where Erin's been on and it is called the Unbreakable You podcast and I'll link uh, to all of those in the show notes okay Meg Dahl man I feel like a woman that's what I'm going to title the show from the, the 1997 smash hit. Okay, I'm going to go dance to that song now. How old were you in 1997? I was six years old. <laughs> but I do remember dancing around to that song probably when I was six years old. Amazing. Yeah. Um, all right, cool, Meg. Thanks so much for being on the show. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. It's always great to talk to you, Erin. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. Take care of you. 